Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Big announcement. Tell us the news, Joey. What happened? <laughs> Baby Charlotte is here. Baby Horton she, has arrived. She has arrived. <laughs> October 17th. Give Horton a who? Six pounds, four ounces. She came a few weeks early. She's, mm-hmm. a, she's a small girl, but so is her mom, and it made sense. So Katie was – I'm going to have – we're, we're going to have her on and so she can tell the whole story, but I'll just go into a little bit about what happened just so people can stay up to date. Katie went to the ballet at Alabama Theater with my mom and her mom regular day i think it was called swan lake they were at and they were watching it everything's good until around intermission rolls around and i don't know if the tones from that organ just vibrated her body in just the right way or what but she she started having cramps Mm. and she hadn't had any cramps throughout the whole pregnancy she was just kind of paying attention you know okay she's thinking it's probably just cramps or uh, what they call prodromal labor which is false labor This goes on for a while, and she starts to time them and notices that they're rhythmic, so they're happening in sequence, you know? So she tells the moms, you know, guys, I hate to do this, but I think we need to go, you know? I don't know that it's labor, but I also don't know that it's not labor. Right. right. They get home, and um, Katie tells me what's going on, and she's just saying, you know, it's probably just prodromal labor. So she goes in the bathroom, and it's starting to get a little bit more intense. So she comes out, we're standing next to the bed, and water breaks. Oh. <laughs> and and wow. I said, Hello. Wow. I said, Woo, here we go. Let's do this thing. So I called the midwife, I called the doula, and I called both of our moms. I was like, Hey, you guys might want to come back over. I think it's going down tonight. That's when you text me, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. absolutely the. One of the top first five people I texted. So that was that was before ten o'clock. It was yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was before ten o'clock. So next thing you know, Katie's on hands and knees in the bathroom, just feeling these contractions, and they're getting more intense. And you know, we're doing this thing at home. It's a home birth, and we had planned it that way. We had, uh, you know, we, of course, we had a backup plan. If anything went off the rails, it took us. It would take mm-hmm. fifteen minutes to get to the hospital. So we had that in place in case something didn't go correctly but luckily everything went smoothly so katie is on all fours contractions are coming they're getting more intense so the midwives come i'm blowing up the birth pool filling it up with water and um you know katie's making some sounds that i have that i've only heard in nature if you know what i mean yeah (laughs) and uh, those sounds with your name every other sound yeah exactly exactly but at least they weren't directed towards me you know you don't want to be on the business end of one of those sounds (laughs) okay we get her out in the birth pool and at this time things are heating up you know they're getting a lot more intense she's you know the midwives are checking her they're checking the heart rates they're checking the heart rate of the baby to make sure she's in the right position and they felt her and they said yeah she's in the right position she was not in the right position this baby was breech and we found out you know when it's crunch time so at this point it's almost too late to go anywhere so the the midwife is like look i've given birth to or i have um i've i've delivered breech babies in the past we can do this here and we said, okay, let's do it. So baby Charlotte comes out booty first. Smiling on both ends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. She, she came out pooping, if you know what I mean. So All right. Uh, came out breech. Hey, she's here. But That's here's right, the thing. Yeah. Once, the, once her body came out, uh-huh. the contraction stopped. So the head is stuck. 
So then Katie had to stand up out of the birth pool. She's holding on to me. Well, and she's ha- that's the only time that she had to actually push, you know, consci- wow. consciously push because the contractions are doing all the pushing for her. Mm-hmm. She's just basically feeling them. When the head was stuck is the only time she had to intentionally push. And after about a minute or two, the head came out and uh, they rubbed Charlotte's chest and she comes to life. We're holding her. The rest is history. She's been squealing since then. Well, beautiful, brother. Um, coincidental, I guess, well, when the way that she came out. Because with both of my daughters, I did a mild cervical traction on them, you know, in the delivery room. Um, well, you know, um, Charlotte kind of had her own mild traction, just gravity, gravity assisted, if you will. Exactly. spine on the way out, lined everything up beautifully. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's an awesome story. And uh, we'll um, carry on the history from there. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, we'll oh, I know we'll, we'll keep the updates coming. I got to give you this one, too. Um, when you, so when you text me, uh, when I, I went to bed and I kept my phone next to me just in case you were going to follow up. And I remember I heard my phone go off when you text me. And I first thing I did was look over at my clock. And the time was 2.22. Now, those are my favorite numbers, primarily because my mom was born on February 22nd. And she's passed now about 10 years ago. So when I looked over the clock and I saw those numbers, the first thing that came to my head was, wow, that's going to be some good news. And... It was. That's what I found out. Yes, exactly. It, it was good news for us, but it, it meant that you had to really uh, throw on some roller skates for the next day because this happened on Sunday night, yeah. and she was delivered about 1230. The whole birth process only lasted three, four hours, and I texted you, and I was like, hey, I got 20-something patients scheduled for Monday. I need you to cover for me, buddy. No problem. And you did, and I thank just, you for that. I had to put on the tennis shoes that actually tie. Yeah, I got you back on the next one as well, brother. My man. <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. it'll be a couple of years well, before take, that. Yeah, take a little breather. Yeah, yeah give yourself a minute there. Anyway. But yeah, uh, Katie has been an absolute rock star. She, uh, I mean, how many people do you know who have who give birth breach position Mm -hmm. no no medication and are up walking around the next day so i gotta gotta give a huge shout out to katie and uh people are just in awe of how she has handled this whole thing so i'm really impressed with her yes and i can contest she was up and about and in very good spirits yes that is true and you know it's a beautiful thing because well guess what maybe 250 years ago or so that was the only option at home the midwife, right? Yeah. Uh, it was all females. Imagine that. And here we all are today, healthy. Yeah. Yep. No bright lights, no cold operating room, no slap on the Botox to get everything <laughs> going. Welcome to the real world. Bam. Yep. Good luck. <laughs> all right. That That's was great. Right, yes. Shout out, Katie girl. You're looking great. Doing great. Yeah. Proud of you. And proud of you too, Chase. Papa. Papa Chase. Yes. It's on, brother. Yeah, like, girl, it's on like hey, Donkey Kong. Hey, girl dad club over here. Yes. We, are, we are holding it down. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see you got a book in your hand. What, what's that about? Well, you know what? We wanted to, you, We brought up this in the, in the clinic this morning. Iodine, that mystery mineral that, let me say, just about all of us are deficient in because they've taken it out of circulation for our consumption in our water. Uh, let's see. I'm sorry. The bread. It is wrecking havoc on our physiologically function of just about every organ in our body. So I thought we'd touch on that a little bit today because it's 
majorly misunderstood. Most people think of iodine, of course, they think of a thyroid-related issue, but there's much more to it than that. So let's jump right into what is iodine. Let's do it. Tell us all about it. Well, a lot of this information is really like cutting edge, even though it's been in print now for over 20 years. The book that I like, my favorite book is by uh, a Dr. David Brownstein, and um, his book is entitled Iodine and Why You Need It. Very easy read, probably 150 pages, but um, once you have this grasp and this understanding, you are on the road to major health benefits. So what is iodine? Iodine is a mineral that um, comes from the what we call the halogen families. So I want you to think of the shape of a stop sign, so to say. So our body has these halogen receptor sites that are specifically for certain minerals of the halogen family. And in the thyroid, you'll find an extremely high concentration of these halogen receptor sites. They're also found in the ovaries, in the breast tissue, as well as tissue on males like the prostate. So you might see a correlation with a lot of women and some men with thyroid-related issues and things like fibrocystic breast and fibrocystic ovarian disease. Well, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there was a solution called Lindig solution, which I believe is the one that you use, right, Chase? Lugol's. Lugol's, Lugol's yep. solution. And a, a lot of people took the solution back in those days, and there was very, very, very little, if any, trace of fibrocystic breast or fibrocystic ovarian diagnosis back then. Well, then, of course, you know, modern nutrition comes down the line, and most of the iodine that people think of now is either in their salt, which they have actually removed from most salt, and we used to get some in the bread, and guess what? Now that's taken out of the bread. So now we are losing this primary mineral that the thyroid thrives on. These other halogens that we have the possibility of consuming in our body, every one of us are just about getting every day and that's fluorine in the water and toothpaste, chlorine in the water, and now bromine, which is a very toxic halogen that used to be in bread. No, I'm sorry, it is in bread now as well as water. They took out the iodine of the bread, and now they're fortifying it with bromine. So we have three major toxins that are coming into the body and are binding to these halogen receptor sites that the body wants iodine to bind to. And so when you start accumulating these toxins and we're not getting the iodine in the body, then we start winding up with issues, primarily starting with the thyroid. And that's why in this practice I see thyroid issues starting very, very early, as young as 17. And you know some of the symptoms. It's weight gain, it's fatigue, um, a lot of time spent on the couch, of course, um, Changes in temperature tend to uh, be very sensitive to that, especially um, they get cold often, cold hands and feet, stuff like this, starting at a very, very young age. So these thyroids are getting burned out early on because of the lack of that primary mineral that they want, and we're just not getting it anymore. So supplementation with iodine is very, very, very important. I think we talked about this in another podcast about <laughs> sometimes the milligram doses can be extremely high where we talk about 
you know, three micrograms. In the book, you're going to read some some people need as much as 50 milligrams. Yeah, when you're in that yes. building phase. That's right. Yeah. And how you how you test this really is through the urine. So, you know, you have to consume the iodine and then, you know, you perform the urine test. And uh, as the iodine starts to build up, then the other toxins, the bromine, the fluorine, and the chlorine will start to diminish. And that's when your symptoms really start to improve. Energy being a primary one because iodine is very important in running the energy pathway along with the B vitamins we talked about in magnesium. So that's how important this is. But, you know, there's that thing that a, a lot of people fear, which is the radioactive iodine, which is the one that they use to treat the thyroid. So that's a poison. That's a toxin. Yeah, people say, what about iodine poisoning and eating too much shrimp and some of those myths? Yes, and then with that, the iodine poisoning from the radioactive iodine, yes, but that's usually associated with thyroid cancer treatment. But because some people think parts is parts, they don't differentiate between the two. Okay, So organic iodine is totally beneficial to the body. It's an absolute must. It's like natural iodine versus artificial bingo, iodine. Bingo, yeah. Once it's broken down into its utilization part. Here again, um, the other major function with the thyroid is every 17 minutes, blood runs through the thyroid. And if we have a rogue cell there, that needs to be destroyed because down the line it could cause maybe some type of cancer development or uh, some other kind of mutation. Well, it's the thyroid's job to pick that up. And in order to pick that up, it needs the iodine to function properly. So even though most people consider iodine deficiency, it's when you get this big bubble on the side of your neck known as a goiter, right? And until then, everything's okay. It's like, no, no, totally wrong. By then, major problems are on. So we want to make sure that we're consuming enough iodine to help the thyroid regulate cell differentiation, if you will. Yeah, because so that's what they told my dad. You know, he's got the. They told me he's got a goiter on his iodine or nodule, rather. On his thyroid. So they put him on um, Armor Thyroid, or they put him on uh, Synthroid. Synthroid. Yeah, yeah. Now, a good point there, because the Synthroid is synthetic, and that's the most popular one used. And when you're using a synthetic thyroid like synthroid you're actually going to deplete that thyroid's ability to use iodine so you're going to have to increase even more iodine supplementation if you are on medication for that and the other sad thing about that is in a sense what you're doing with that synthetic synthroid if you will is you're jump starting a dead battery which is why most people out there You'll know this story. You start off on X amount of milligrams, and within the next year, you're doubling the dosage because that previous dosage was not getting the work done. And then, of course, they started coming out with the glandular stuff like the Armour Thyroid, which is um, pig, more, right? I think it, I think it is pig. And Nature Throid and all that. And these are, these are better for the body. They're closer to natural, if you will. However, the powers that be in the pharmaceutical company don't like those alternatives out there because that cuts in on their profit. I mean, there was 10 years ago, there was a difficult time getting hold of anything alternative to a Synthroid. Yeah, they, they don't push that like they do Synthroid. Exactly, because, uh, you know, it's less evasive on the body and it's less profit for them. But if you can find that, that is the better alternative. But you need neither if you'll start supplementing with iodine because that's what my patients do. Even my 70-year-old plus, all right? You start them on a regiment from that, and that, of course, the thyroid also loves other minerals as well. So the combination pulls a lot of people off of 
medication for, uh, again, we're talking about not fixing anything, but we're regulating when we medicate uh, the thyroid. And there is a difference between uh, the different types of thyroid issues. You know, you have a true, like a weak thyroid or a thyroid issue, and then you have Hashimoto's, which is a little bit of a different ball game. You're not really going to want to supplement with iodine if you have Hashimoto's because that's been, that's an autoimmune right. type of uh, thyroid condition. So which if, is you, if, if you have weak thyroid, you know, if your thyroid is just underactive, then yes, uh, iodine is an excellent way to go. Hashimoto's, on the other hand, which which is difficult to diagnose because most doctors aren't running the proper types of thyroid tests, but um, that's something you want to go to a functional medicine doctor for so you can differentiate which type of thyroid issue you have. True. Now, the hyperthyroid also works beautifully with the iodine supplementation. Hashimoto's, like you said, that's more of an autoimmune. And the problem here lies that autoimmune disorders are going increasing tenfold almost every year, so it's through the roof. Um, and yes, that's much more difficult to manage, but it is still manageable. And that's why I said do get the book, because for somebody with Hashimoto's, that'll help you and your doctor work your way through the the protocol for it, if you will. Because though it is an autoimmune di- disorder, you don't have to suffer the symptoms of that autoimmune disorder if you're able to give that thyroid the boost that it needs. I have a patient who uh, recently approached, she's a chiropractic patient, but she also wanted to have some functional medicine work done. So I said, okay, well, here's where we'll start. We'll run some lab work. She showed me what lab work she had done in the past, and it was just the absolute bare minimum, you know, T4 and T3, basically. So I gave her a list of the markers that I wanted her to have run. I said, let just go to your primary care, see if, uh, if they'll do this for you. So the primary care is like, oh, you don't need all this. So I said, okay, check out any lab tests now. It goes over to any lab test now, and to do the lab work that I recommended, it would have cost her almost $2,000. Unbelievable. So yeah. I'm getting back in network with, do you know, have you heard of the professional co-op? It's yes. Where, yeah. Professional mm-hmm. co-op is where we can get lab work done that would cost thousands. You can get it done for about 300 bucks, and that's not much more than what insurance would have cost. So um, that's something that I'm going to be adding back on to the, uh, adding back into the toolbox here in the next month or so. Yeah. So. You can use that through LabCorp, I know, for yep, sure, LabCorp. and a few others. Um, yeah, that's the other thing you're bringing out, too. People, this is the other issue. I don't check this out in your New Year's insurance coverage. A lot of the major insurance companies, including Blue Cross Blue Shield, they're getting to where they are not covering standard blood work panels anymore, which is, you know, they want you to get them, but if there's not something to write you a script for be careful because they'll find that as maintenance care if you it will and, and god forbid you maintain your health exactly although no we're not paying for that so be ready for out of pocket with that even if your primary care physician doesn't warn you ahead of time look look for that because a lot of my patients i'm saying over half of them now winding up with that problem yeah. insurance companies have always been you know, they've always been a certain type of way with lab work, such as one lab marker that is really valuable for predicting heart attack called an HSCRP, a high sensitivity C-reactive protein. That lab marker has been shown in studies to be able to predict a heart attack before it happens. But guess what? Your insurance won't pay for that marker until after you've already had the heart attack. (laughs) So, again, a lot of times 
you ask for that test, and if your physician doesn't know what an elevated number means, if it's not something they're privy in or they've studied, they may refuse to have that tested because if it is high and they don't know how you go about lowering it, then they might not want that test taken on you. It's probably the most sensitive marker for inflammation throughout the body, period. Guess what? It's brought down with diet and supplementation. So therefore, since they're not using a medication to lower it, it's not popular in the medical school. At this point, even though, yes, the studies have been out over 20 years now, it's not often requested by most practitioners, but absolutely the most sensitive one for inflammation. Another one, homocysteine for inflammation. Another great one. And when she, when that patient called, she asked for homocysteine. They said, what's that? Mm -hmm. Homocysteine, they're elevated very high in things like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Again, any type of major inflammatory type reaction. And of course, this is also associated with those amyloid placking that they used to think, used to think was the cause of Alzheimer's. But now as of the last month or so, it's like, guess what? We were wrong. What is it? Well, we don't know, but keep taking your medication until we figure it out. And again, homocysteine, how do you lower it? The B vitamins, folic acid, B12. Where's the big push if there's not a pharmaceutical to lower that? Yeah, sad, but very true. Very important markers for anti-aging too, Doc. Very, very, very important markers. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll uh, be back in a week and reach out to us with those listener questions and we will have them answered for you. Have yourself a great week.